0: Coming to you from the Dietitians and Nutrition Support Dietetic Practice Group, this is the DNS member podcast where we explore topics relevant to our field. From support line content to nutrition celebrity interviews and everything in between, this podcast is where DNS members can go behind the scenes and explore the driving forces behind cutting-edge nutrition support. I'm your host, Christina Rollins. Let's get started. To the DNS podcast. I am super excited today to introduce our guest host, Dr. Sarah Peterson. Dr. Peterson is a registered dietitian and assistant professor at Rush University Medical Center. In this role, she is the course coordinator for a series of classes within the dietetic internship that teaches both the pathophysiology and medical nutrition therapy for a variety of diseases. She also mentors dietetic interns working on research projects and conducts her own clinical research related to the prevalence and outcomes associated with low muscle mass and muscle quality in critically ill patients. Dr. Peterson is also a very active member of the dns and currently serves as our editor for support line. Dr. Peterson, with that, I'll turn it over to you.
1: Thank you for that introduction, Christina. Um, I'm excited to be here and excited to introduce our guest for today's podcast. Ann Coltman is the Senior General Manager of Food and Nutrition Services at Loyola University Medical Center, where she oversees all of operations, including patient services, retail services,
0: and the clinical
1: nutrition program. Anne has previous experience as a nutrition support dietitian in surgical critical care, as well as a faculty member specializing in nutrition screening, assessment, and physical exams in gastroenterology, surgical, and critical care nutrition. Anne is an active member of the Academy and is currently serving as the co-chair of the Malnutrition in Older Adults Evidence Analysis Project and the chair of the Council on Research Workgroup Selection Committee and the Sponsorship Apprentice for DNS, and recently served as the project manager for an industry-sponsored educational grant that focused on providing an update on intravenous lipid emulsions. This content is included in the December 2020 issue of Support Line, which is currently available on the DNS website and includes three publications as part of this project. Oh, Anne, welcome here today to talk about this content. Thanks, Sarah. I'm happy to be here. Okay, let's jump right in with my first question, or my first statement, I guess. Can you summarize all of the available content on intravenous lipid emulsions that were provided as part of this educational grant? Yeah, so I think this was a really
2: exciting project to be a part of because of the breadth and scope of information that was provided to the membership. Um, we sort of did this incrementally in steps to make sure that we provided content in in ways that was really usable for all different kinds of clinicians um, at whatever level they were ready to participate in that so we did offer four live full-length webinars each of them um, with participation from our incredible faculty Uh, so we did have a webinar from our physician partners uh, who talked about sort of the history of iv lipid emulsions and, and clinical indications Reuse of those lipid emulsions and um, treatment perhaps of complications with those lipid emulsions then we had an incredible presentation um, from our patient so we actually had a a long-term home pn patient swapna kakani who shared a great deal of her life story with us Uh, and gave us a lot of information about how clinicians can really be impactful when interacting with home PN patients, um, and then also how IV lipid emulsions have really impacted her life personally in a variety of ways. We then had a great presentation by two of DNS's own dietitians who uh, really did an incredible job explaining to the audience the impact of IV lipid emulsions on uh, infectious complications, and, and did an incredibly thorough literature review and really summarized all that information for our audience to make sure they understood. Uh, the current state of the evidence for um, infectious management with IV lipid emulsions. And then finally, we had a presentation by a pharmacist who really gave us a unique perspective related to the inclusion of uh, the various formulations of IV lipid emulsion on um, a hospital formulary. So sort of how you work with your pharmacy team in order to get new medications added onto your uh, medication list, sort of the implications of doing that and how a clinician Um, who is or is not involved in a pharmacy related committee can take the first steps to make that happen. So that was sort of, I'm going to call our traditional educational experience. Um, Then after that, we provided um, bite-sized information. So each one of those incredible speakers then participated in the recording of a YouTube video. So uh, many thanks to Lauren Chan, who is incredibly technologically savvy and understands social media and engaging people. Um, who helped us to really create a brief synopsis of each one of those. So all of the presenters gave basically a 10-minute presentation of the highlights of each of those webinars. So if a, if a member only has a short period of time to participate in listening to that and, and or really just wants to get a high-level understanding of what was discussed, um, each of those topics was discussed briefly for 10 minutes along with slides. And then finally, uh, we did have, as you mentioned, that recent support line publication. So we had three of those arti- three of those topics turned into full support line articles. So again, sort of a long-term written reference. I think that is super useful for clinicians who want to have um, sort of ha- you know have that staple piece of paper on their desk, something maybe to bring to rounds with them that they can reference to physicians if they need. Um, the ability to reference sort of a concise series of information summarizing all of that. So really, an incredible array of content that we were able to provide for
1: membership. Thank you for that summary. And I think it's important just to clarify for everybody who's listening that the four webinars are free, right? Regardless of whether you're a DNS member or not. And I really think that the um, that YouTube content is really helpful for you know providing that information to maybe your attendings that you're working with on like GI service or et cetera. So I do think it's kind of a a helpful way to be able to um, communicate this message about all the new products that exist and kind of take the, not the burden off off of us, but just give us an easier way um, to communicate with our healthcare team. So, you know, one of the things that you mentioned um, is the fact that all of the um, different content was created from um, a physician, a pharmacist, a dietitian, and even a patient. So why do you think it was important to include a review of IV lipid emulsions from this interprofessional perspective? So when I learned about the project, I think that
2: interprofessional perspective is probably the most exciting thing about the project. You know, I think so many times as as dietitians, we really live in this sort of silo of nutrition and nutrition support. And, um, you know, we think about things as dietitians because that's sort of how our, our education and training has molded us. But I think listening to the perspective of physicians who obviously see a different kind of picture of a patient specifically. Um, you know, the, the physicians we were able to highlight are gastroenterologists that specialize in nutrition support, right? So they really have a sort of a lifetime perspective on overall GI health, but also, you know, the complete care of a patient uh, that is receiving PN. So I think that was interesting. Having a pharmacist, of course, I think is also really different. I think pharmacists consider more of the technical aspects of medication administration in a way that dietitians um, oftentimes don't consider. So I think that was really helpful to think about really the mechanics of how medications work and how you work with pharmacy teams um, and hospital administration in order to get things added to um, a hospital formulary. And then the patient perspective, I think, was in my opinion, probably the most interesting thing to hear. I think um, sometimes, unfortunately, as clinicians, because we're so busy, we forget that patients are human beings. And so really getting to hear the, the human side of a person who's lived through this, um, I, for me, really transformed the way that I think about utilizing IV lipid emotions and prescribing them. And then you know, really how I provide care. So I think having that that full circle uh, really was an incredible offering for for whoever was able to join us because um, they really encapsulated the entire continuum of care
1: that we provide to patients. Agreed. that's a great point. So I wanted to highlight the three articles that were um, talked about in support line and let's just talk about the article that was written by the physicians and the dietitians really briefly and just to um, Point out, we don't have an article from the pharmacist included in support line, but like we mentioned that available uh, information is available in the um, webinar and YouTube. You know, the article that was written by the two physicians provides a great overview of lipid metabolism and each of these kind of generations of different IV lipids. What was something that you learned about lipid emulsions when you reviewed this article?
2: So I think the way that they described uh, utilizing IV lipid emulsions uh, for treatment of, you know, PN associated complications and, and general, so, you know, complications that exist in, in intestinal failure patients, that definitely was sort of uh, new information for me. I think, you know, we, we think of, I think about the, tra- you know, traditional PN associated liver disease things, but really talking about, you know, they, they talked about so many different topics, like um, essential fatty acid deficiency and hypertriglyceridemia, um, you know, use of IV lipid emulsions and critical illness, and then also the role of food allergies. And I think having all of that different information, you know, I, I just sort of think I lived in this whole of PN-associated liver disease and not necessarily considering all of these other considerations we should have when selecting a lipid emulsion. Um, and and really, the the deep discussion on uh, prevention and treatment of essential fatty acid deficiency was also really interesting and how each one of the um, generational lipid emulsions can be used or selected based on a patient's risk for developing that deficiency.
1: So... Looking at the article that was written by um, the two dietitians who are active members in the DNS um, DPG. So I think this, this article was great. It was a comprehensive summary that kind of linked specifically fish oil and olive oil lipids with infection. So after reviewing this article's, have your indications for using either of these products changed?
2: You know, I think what was so helpful was they gave me really concise and concrete talking points when, you know, speaking to other members of the interdisciplinary team about uh, IV lipid associated, infection and, and, you know, treatment of infections in general with patients receiving PN. You know, so I think now that I sort of have these pieces, really well-researched pieces of information about which lipid emulsions perhaps can help with, um, you know, reducing infectious complications and Perhaps which ones are more prone to causing infectious complications. I think when selecting which which um, product to use in patients that I know are are already actively infected and or at a high risk for infection because of other complications, I think now I have a better ability to really synthesize that information and make a more informed decision. You know, before it was sort of like, well, I've heard that such such and such lipid might be better for people that. Um, you know, already have a line infection or something of the sort. But I think now that I have a, th- these well-constructed tables, especially that live in support line, I feel like that, that was really helpful to make sure that I can make the best decision when providing
1: care to my patients. Agreed. Okay. So now let's move to my favorite article. The last article was written from a patient perspective. So Swapna provided us with five simple truths that she has come to realize after acquiring parental nutrition for 30 years. So including this article was an important focus on the patient perspective. And to be honest, I think it was one of my favorite things that I've read in support line since I've been editor. What recommendations would you make to nutrition support dietitians to ensure that they always provide patient centered care?
2: Yeah, I think the inclusion of the patient perspective was sort of a unique inclusion on this project that I think was really exciting and, and really um, can added a lot of value to the project. So I think it's really beneficial for clinicians of, of any um, you know specialty to to listen to Swatna's story because I really think she shared so much of her life and how, you know, the role that parental nutrition impacted it in every aspect of her life. You know, really from how she went to school, how she interacted to her pe- with her peers. You know, what her family dynamics were like so many things. And I think she really talked about the isolation that she felt a lot as a young adult. And then ultimately how she overcame so many things, you know, despite the fact that she had this really complicated medical history. And I think what she said to me that really resonated was making sure that you meet patients where they are, you know, so she talked a lot about how she would go see different, practitioners and, you know, they would make sort of standardized goals based on, you know, what they know to be the right thing to meet outcomes for PN patients. But she, she described um, speaking with, I believe, an endocrinologist who sat down with her, walked into her, her clinic appointment. She was an adolescent, I think, um, and put down all of his papers and just sat down and talked to her and asked her what she wanted to do and I think right that really drove so much of her care moving forward and I think really transformed the way that she interacted with her medical team in general moving forward so you know i think if if dietitians can be sort of that like well-rounded voice of reason i think that's such an asset to providing really comprehensive medical care you know you'll probably get your patients to do more if you can really understand what their goals are like she really wanted to go to college and graduate from college and now she just finished a graduate degree you know so i think understanding what motivates people Um, is so important, you know, just like motivational interviewing for anything else you might do, like this is an equally important application of that skill. Um, And I think for me, that really changed the way that I interact with patients, you know, nutrition support patients and traditional patients um, and, and understanding what makes them tick and how I can really best facilitate an improvement in their quality of life.
1: Agreed. I think that's something that, you know, when you think about nutrition support, there are so many consumers that require long-term, whether it's enteral or parenteral. And I know that Anne, both you and I started in doing nutrition support, you know, in a much more acute setting. And so it really does kind of help to understand the patient and the family's perspective of, you know, what's going on um, when they are dependent on these solutions. Okay. So, let's move to our next question. So Anne, as a clinical nutrition prior clinical nutrition manager, and currently the director um, in your facility, what advice would you give to clinicians who are interested in adding these third or fourth generation intravenous lipid emulsions to their formulary?
2: So, getting anything added to a formulary is tough. I think, like, there's no way around that. It's it's hard, especially when you're talking about um, you know high-risk medications that come at a very high cost. So just like anything in medicine, it's who you know, right? Or in the world, I guess, it's who you know, right? And so I think finding a partner who is a clinical leader of some sort in pharmacy is step one. So even if it's a clinical pharmacist, who really understands IV lipid emulsions and has a passion for nutrition support like that, step one, um, because of the type of document that typically has to be submitted to a pharmacy and therapeutics committee requires all kinds of Pharmacy specific information that I think dietitians probably just won't feel comfortable with. So, finding that partner is number one, and empowering them and working together to figure out what information is needed to submit to a committee. And then typically to get even on the agenda for these kinds of committees, you have to have a physician sponsor. And so I think having some sort of physician champion in, um, in whatever discipline is relevant. So maybe you're, you know, maybe you're already a home PN dietitian and you have a great relationship with your, you know, one of the gastroenterologists that is a fantastic person to partner with. Maybe you work with hepatology. Maybe you work with, you know, critical care. I think any physician can probably speak to the utility of these medications as long as they care about it. So I think just getting someone who understands why you're passionate about, you know, utilizing these specialty products is really important. Um, And then making sure that again, they feel empowered to have that discussion. Because realistically, right, like best physician is not gonna sit down and read every research article that you probably have memorized about IV lipid emulsion. So giving them those sort of snapshot pieces of information, the sort of elevator speech that they can present at these committee meetings, along with the comprehensive information that you and your pharmacists provide will be super helpful for moving a lot of those things forward. And then I think also um, being realistic is important, you know, so I think adding any medication has a financial impact on an organization, you know, given sort of the, the times that we're living with, everyone really has to be a good steward of their resources. And sometimes it's all about timing, you know, so just because right now, perhaps your hospital is on, um, you know, sort of a... a spending freeze of sorts where they're paring down a lot of their formulary items to make sure that they can meet budget constraints that doesn't necessarily mean that you'll never be able to get those things added so you know read the room and understand the financial situation that your organization is in and if you don't know maybe ask your boss your boss probably knows the answer to that question and they can probably have an honest discussion with you about what is potentially a good time to think about adding a high cost item to the formulary um because Right. Again, dietitians, unfortunately, live in in a small silo world and we really need to be aware of the overall impact that our decisions and our our care has
1: on the organization as a whole. That's a great point. And I would say, too, you know, a lot of times I think dietitians really, and pharmacists understand the, the guidelines for use, but being able to make that, to communicate that to everyone, I also think helps to say, you know, it, when we do bring this product in, like make it very clear who are the patients that are going to um, be eligible to receive it. And so it's, you know, again, having those kind of guidelines, I think is really helpful. Um, again, right for the entire interprofessional team. And you brought up a great point when you were saying, you know, recruit your physician champion, we could use the 10 minute YouTube videos to get your physician champion on board,
2: right? Exactly. While they're having their sandwiches, they can watch a YouTube video and then everyone has all the information they need. And you didn't bother them with another journal article that they're throwing in the trash when they leave you, you know?
1: Exactly. Very important to have, you know, both your network within your institution to help facilitate any sort of, you know, nutrition support practice and your network of dietitians. All right. With that, I'm going to hand the podcast back over to our host, Christina, to wrap us up.
0: Thank you, Sarah. And thank you, Anne, so much for sharing all of that great information about the work you've done with the IV lipid modules. Um, So before we conclude, though, I'm, I'm really interested to hear, how did you obtain the role as project manager for this initiative? And, you know, I heard from a little bird that Sarah maybe had a hand in recruiting you. So can you guys kind of tell us about what that looked like?
2: Yeah, so um, at FinC, a couple years ago, Sarah and I were getting the traditional uh, dietitian FinC beer while watching the dietitian stroll around FinC. And so she <laughs> talked about um, how di- di- uh, DNS had been fortunate enough to get this incredibly generous educational grant um, and how, you know, you the board really had this concept for Um, this interprofessional educational module that's coming with all these sort of different types of education that is going to be like, you know, just this great offering for membership and and beyond. And so she talked to me about potentially my interest in participating as a project manager and how, um, you know, many of the board members already had professional connections that were going to be able to either be faculty members or help me recruit faculty members. So essentially my role was, um, just organizing a bunch of smart people, which I feel like is all I do all day. So it felt like a really great juxtaposition of, you know, as, as I started, you know, taking on more administrative responsibility professionally, staying in de- engaged with DNS has been sort of like my lifeline back to clinical nutrition all the time. So having the ability to utilize that full skill set and then really re-engage in sort of the world of IV lipid emulsions that I feel like I had started like footsteps out of, I think was just right. Like that was like an, an opportunity that I was so excited to participate in. And I think, you know, hearing about who the um, the proposed faculty members were and, and ultimately who became the faculty members, like this is just a group of incredible clinicians who really care about what they do. And so I think, right, I got to really network with those people, um, and and those are people that I hadn't really engaged with in the past. So that was a, a great opportunity. Um, And I think, you know, the the whole experience to me was just sort of another one of those stamps of networking is really the key to success for any, you know, any profession. But I feel like, especially in the world of nutrition and nutrition support, we have like this very tight, I feel like dietitians are a very small network. Um, And it's really important that you get to know the players in the network because they can really help you, you know, so I have this great opportunity to meet all these other people and, and do all these things. And. And Sarah had, you know, a person that she trusted to run this project. So I felt like that was a great partnership and, and um, another one of those fancy genius moves that always happen when you are back with your dietitian circles again.
0: Well, and I'll add to that, This we may be seeing a bit of a pattern with Dr. Peterson, because about, I don't know, 10 or 12 years ago, I was you know a bedside clinician and I reached out through the DNS website and asked to participate in the mentoring program and lo and behold I get an email from Sarah saying I'm overseeing this program and I would love to be your mentor and and then it kind of just it, it was really the catalyst I think for my own involvement in DNS and I started volunteering, I started mentoring, I eventually became the chair, and now I get to serve as the host for this fabulous podcast. So um, I guess, you know, we should both say thank you, Sarah, for getting us so involved in the profession. And maybe we should add a bit of a disclaimer to everyone listening that if you if you get an email from Sarah or you happen to have been into her at Fincy and she offers to take you out for a drink, there's probably something else behind. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I think the the part you mentioned about how you started as a mentee and then you ran the mentorship program, that is just very trademarked to me of interacting with Sarah Peterson.
0: Yeah,
1: it is true. I will definitely claim that I am good at spotting talent and then assigning tasks to that talent to then make us all better though, right? I mean, you two were delightful, were and are delightful people to work with. And so it was very easy for me to identify that you would both succeed in our profession. But I mean, all jokes aside though, I think that it's really important to just encourage everybody who's listening that, you know, it may seem like daunting to get involved in DNS or, you know, even to just reach out and, you know, send a cold email um, to somebody, but we are responsive to it. We all started that way at some point. And so please never be hesitant to reach out. As the editor for support line, I'm always looking for people who are interested in writing an article. And even if you've never written before, I'll help you do it. Anne and
0: Christina will help you do it. So please use this as your incentive to get involved. Well, thank you so much. And really, many thanks to both of you for taking time out of your busy schedules to chat with me today. Um, For our listeners, please remember to check out the latest edition of Support Line, as well as all of the historical content available and a lot of different networking opportunities at www.dnsdpg.org. I'm Christina Rollins.